Hello, everybody, and welcome to Connected Knowledge from Upland Software on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. Happy New Year, everybody. This week, we are talking about the trends of 2024, what leaders in the CX space are pointing toward as tools that will mark the year. Our own Samantha Middlebrook, Senior Director of Product Marketing and Management for Context Center Productivity at Upland, is back with me to share what she learned and shared from taking part in the C- in CRM Magazine's Customer Experience Trends to Watch webinar. Samantha, welcome back. It's good to see you. Hi, Pete. It's good to see you too. And I keep asking, is it still okay to say Happy New Year? It's the 23rd of January. Yes, it is. Until February 1st, it's okay. Okay, perfect. Yeah, perfect. it's okay. Especially no, because... This is our first, uh, I, I believe this is our first episode of the year, and so a uh, recording of the year, and it's very exciting to get back in the old saddle. And what a better topic I cannot think of than talking about trends to mark 2024, what we're looking forward to in the year. Now, you took a part in the uh, Customer Experience Trends to Watch webinar. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we jump into specific uh, trends? Sure. Um, so I took part in that webinar last week with the lovely team at Nice Software. Um, a woman by the name of Tamsin was uh, letting her know, uh, letting us know her trend analysis, and I was letting you know our trend analysis. So we're thinking about the changing landscape of customer service and customer experience, and what people should be looking out for or planning for um, as they think about kind of the months the months ahead. Okay. So I uh, thought we might open the conversation with your thoughts and trends regarding the call center itself and specifically the contact center agent. Mm -hmm. Things are changing very rapidly right now. New technology is changing and evolving the role right now. What are you looking at when you look at at the call center agent? Yeah, um, so it's a great place to start. I I started off last week talking about how 2023, by the end of it, it almost felt like um, I personally was crawling to the finish line. There'd been so many tech advances, new things happening. And, you know, my job, Pete, is to literally know what's happening in the tech landscape. And if I felt exhausted, I can't imagine how um, the rest of the world felt. So if we play that back to what that means for a contact center agent, every time they're now interacting with customers, the customer's expectation has rapidly changed. I know we're going to speak about AI a little bit later on in the podcast, but generative AI really pulled the rug out from a lot of people. And we have customers now really feeling like um, they can self-service to a level that they've never been able to before. So what that means for the agent is added pressure. If a customer is coming through um, to have that kind of high touch moment, whether it be voice or email or live chat, then um, you better believe that the customer is expecting you to be some kind of superhero when it comes to customer experience. That that pressure is has got to be extraordinary. It's been a long time since I was in a call center uh, as an agent, but uh, it, there was pressure 30 years ago. <laughs> now, when people are coming, when customers are coming equipped with that kind of information, that kind of res- that sort of resource in their bag, the expectations of the call center agent are extraordinary. But it's not their responsibility alone, right? What are call centers, what are the organizations doing to better equip 
call center agents to do their jobs? Like, what do we have to look forward to the horizon, uh, you know, six to 12 months out? Yeah, it's a really great question. So um, we talk about the concept of a, a super agent or like a unicorn agent. And prior to maybe the last 12 months, the way that we would create um, these super agents, if you will, Pete, is through really kind of intensive training programs. So we would look at you as an individual and we would say, does Pete have the attributes to be this stellar agent to really represent our business? And those attributes were kind of... Um, uh, related back to really old legacy KPIs. Could you get the customer off the call really quickly? Could you handle escalations? Um, were you making sure that your first contact resolution was really fabulous? So if you think about your um, profile, Pete, as an agent, if you think about kind of the call center reporting that a team leader would send out, you would be green, 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 and all of that Excel reporting. And that's because you kind of tick the box. You fit in the box that was, yes, I'm a great contact center agent because I meet my KPIs and I've been, been able to become some form of expert. And we think about expert in the business is really understanding the products, the processes, the policies that encapsulate what a business represents. If you think about your bank or your health insurer or your utilities provider, those businesses are big and they're complex. And so for a contact center agent to know all of those things, they need to kind of earn the badge of each function, if you will. I might start off um, and I learn about account management, Pete. And then once I get that badge, I might go away again and learn about billing and then I might learn about sales and all of those kind of fun things. But that takes a really long time. And the, the tools that people have in place to help them with that is things like robust knowledge management, um, really clean and simple CRM, excellent integrated te uh, telephony, those kind of things. Um, now, as we start to see that evolution of the unicorn agent, we're calling it, it's a highly empathetic individual. It's less about you being an expert in everything to do with the business and more about using the tools that you have at hand to have really constructive and open conversations with the customer. Okay. How do we modernize the KPIs then, right? Like we have to modernize how these new empathetic unicorn agents are, are managed. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so if you think about something like um, average handling time, average handling time has been a really easy one for us to manage manage or at least monitor, right, Pete, for many, many years. The call lasted this long and we break down the call into, you know, how long it took to answer the call, if there was hold time after call work, what does that look like? If you think about the concept of average handling time, though, that really doesn't make as much sense when we're starting to think about the way that we structure um, inquiries coming into a contact centre. Think about this, Pete. If we are letting our customers self-service really simple inquiries, it's pretty obvious that the contacts coming through to a human are going to be longer and more complex. Mm -hmm. So measuring an agent on an average handling time just probably doesn't cut it as much anymore. But if we think about um, metrics like um, the effort it took for a customer to solve a problem, then that's really interesting. Because if we think about the touch points they accessed, if the human solved the problem, if it was a digital channel, that's when we can start to understand the effectiveness of the service that you're offering to your customer base. Okay. what are, are Do you have any insight on how agents 
are viewing the changes that are coming to them? Do we do we see an acceptance that this is the changing role or is it still something of a surprise? Um, it's a really great question, and I think it depends on the demographic of the contact centre. If we think about traditionally, contact centres have been um, made up of, of um, a pretty young generation, and then you have a pocket of people that have been around the business for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, if we think about that um, younger generation, they are completely immersed in new technology, and so their expectations has really changed. The way that they want to consume information is very, very different. If we think about the TikTok generation, you know, I need answers now, and I need it in a way that makes sense and feels modern to me. So I think from a um, expectation of that workforce, they're expecting the business to have the tools that they have in their personal life. And if you don't, you're going to get into some challenges because don't forget, Pete, the number one problem that contact contact centre leaders still face is the ability to attract and then retain staff. And so if the tools are not supporting those people, then we have a problem. I like the way you said uh, when when you frame their expectations of the technology they have at work, it, it's it, it's built on their expectations of the technology they carry in their pocket or they access at home. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. This this brings us to some of the new technology that I know you talked about on the webinar, and we you know we said we're going to talk about AI. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. What are our expectations of AI and how it is you know being uh, sort of how we're adapting to it in a Mm -hmm. universe that is post-2023, which was global shock. (laughs) Global shock, horror, um, excitement, trepidation, all of those things. You know, um, Boston Consulting Group um, put out a really lovely report uh, where they um, interviewed 1,400 C-level executives uh, just recently. And that report mirrors all those things that we're talking about, right? Um, executives want to get started, but only 6% of organizations have 25% of their staff trained on generative AI, you know, um, and it's something like 75% of executives know they need to introduce generative AI, but the change management feels pretty terrifying. If we think about 2023 and the promise of what AI would be, Pete, it was um, pretty sparkly. It was, you know, flashing in lights, changing everything. But what we found as we enter 2024 is that The AI that's been successful in organizations has been pretty unassuming. It's within your workflow. It's just like you blinked and now it's here. And it wasn't a huge change exercise because it really made sense to you in your role. And so you weren't as change resistant. Um, But behind the scenes, we've got big organizations, the Microsofts of the world, working really hard to kind of normalize the AI presence in an organization. It's the whole idea of, you know, all of the news in 2024 Mm -hmm. is Microsoft consumerizing AI, introducing Mm -hmm. the first new button on the standard Windows keyboard in Mm -hmm. 30 years or whatever, right, right, for for Copilot. And and that's the thing that I I think is most interesting. The fear that has come from Mm -hmm. uh, all this new advancement in AI is Mm -hmm. it's going to subsume the organization and begin shaving off jobs. Is mm-hmm. that a conversation you're having right now for 2024? Uh, it definitely is. Um, you know, we met with an executive team 
towards the end of the year and we were showing them some of the AI features in our new products and point blank beat the question they asked was does that mean we can get rid of some of our contact center agents and you know in order to adopt technology, there has to be some form of return on investment. And return on investment always has come in different ways. Are we talking about reducing headcount or are we talking about redirecting that effort of resource into other areas? Um, my prediction for 2024 isn't that we have a humanless um, frontline by any means, because I still firmly believe that humans need humans. And when your bots fail, you need that human interaction, which is that empathy layer that we talk about a lot. Um, but I think that we will see some redistribution of roles, especially when we think about um, aggregating data um, across the enterprise, when we think about having these more subject matter experts style positions, which are really there to coordinate the facts and figures and to um, kind of corral teams, that's what the AI is going to be able to do. So if we think about dynamics as an example, it's your AI companion. It's everywhere that you work. It's everywhere that you're doing mundane tasks. It's about simplifying that. Um, it's still about having a human in the loop though, Pete, a human to make a conscious decision of what you do with that data, whether or not you send that email, whether or not it makes sense, you know, in that customer interaction, the human is still very prevalent there. Um, the way that I describe it is think about having a really excellent um executive assistant or BA who's pulling everything together for you to help you make an educated decision. That's what the AI is doing. And that's what it's doing for contact center agents if you get it right. The 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 peril, right, uh, uh, the other side of the promise, mm -hmm. the peril is mm -hmm. that there are a number of business unit leaders who are assuming that it means we can get rid of some, some resources mm -hmm. and we'll have to learn the hard way Mm -hmm. the journey back toward the empathetic leader, right, the mm -hmm. empathetic agent, and mm -hmm. that getting rid of people is is not necessarily the right answer. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we have to learn first. What That's are we right. doing to learn? Well, you know, I think that um, I think some organizations learned from the chatbot boom that we had, what, five to ten years ago, where right. we had chatbots. Um, and this was, you know, when AI was was kind of newish, you know, in that format where the concept of um, empathetic tone was not even on anyone's radar. If I have a look at some of the latest models um, around Gen AI, thinking about tone and empathy is kind of front and centre of what the development world is trying to do. So um, at least the bots are kind of emulating humans. We still need humans, though, to uh, test and to learn and to um, provide the prompt, right? Because it's really a world of prompt engineering is kind of the, the space that we're in right now. Right, right. Um, if you can provide Gen AI with the right prompt, you can kind of do anything, but that's an art and a science in itself. So I think that um, I think organizations will be a little bit gun shy uh, because of some of the really weird and wacky um, bad examples we saw over the years with chatbots. Um, one of my team just sent me this morning quite a humorous article. It was all around a delivery service and the fact that the delivery service um, 
basically had uh, Gen AI working with their customer-facing chat. And then for whatever reason, uh, the chat got into a little bit of a circle of death in terms of trying to help the customer find where where their content was, uh, where their delivery was rather. And basically um, it created a very... Uh, a not very PC and a not very brand conscious poem about how bad the delivery service was for customer service. So see, this is the gem of 2024 that AI is going to make the internet weird again. And that's right. That might be great Um, for a little while. (laughs) um, And that's basically because the customer was just kind of in such a weird and wacky um, like death circle of trying to get an answer. No, it, it said something. The customer said something like, can you tell me a joke? And the AI took it quite literally and then created this poem. So, I mean, I think there's still things like that. That's why we're saying human in the loop is really important. Um, it's like, you know, if you had, uh, let's say tomorrow, Pete, you were standing up a brand new contact center um, in whatever industry and you said, hey, I'm going to go out and find 50 new contact center agents, there is no way that you're going to unleash them to your customer base handling all the calls without any training or supervision. It's right. the same with AI. Can I, this AI adjacent question or call center mm-hmm. adjacent question, in your role, how are you using AI tools right now? Have you ad- adopted them in any sufficient way or a significant way? Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, so my role is twofold, right? One part is product and strategy, where we're really looking at what needs to happen um, in the market, not today, but in five years time across our products to make sure that we're still relevant. And the other one is in uh, product marketing, which is all around messaging and positioning. So um, I use AI constantly, whether it's uh, collating or analyzing data, um, whether it is around helping with outlining of strategic themes, um, you know, even simple things like helping to summarize really complex ideas that we have um, that sometimes we feel like we word vomit Pete and we need that objective view is is really quite helpful so if you work with me and my team will will uh, tell you this I am constantly moving at a very rapid pace and so I will send myself voice notes of my ideation in between my meetings if I'm running to do school drop-off or whatever it is and then I'll take that file and, and use AI to analyze it and help me kind of um, you know, uh, work out what I need to plan for the week or the month and and set my priorities. I think that's a really important thing to recognize and to talk publicly about as we're talking about AI in a very broad way and how it can, it can force these industrial level shifts. But how, what does it look like at the individual desktop, on the individual phone? Like we are adapting to it. And what you just described is, I think, role model behavior for call center mm-hmm. leaders to be really exploring how do you mm-hmm. use it personally? How do you use it to help amplify your own ideas and, and mm-hmm. develop sort of clear thinking? I'll give you another. So if you think about the pragmatic side, like I've got these tasks and trying to prioritize, manage my work, what do I do there? Then you've got the creative side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if we think about image generation, if we think about literal video uh, creation, we ran um, an AI certification for our sales team uh, here at Upland because we have AI through a majority of our products in the contact right. center suite. As you're asking me, though, how do we make sure our own teams are up to, 
up to date and up to speed with everything that's happening so they can speak with real uh, conviction to the market around what we're doing. And so as a little bit of a test, we created our whole certification using generative AI. So our avatar is AI generated, um, you know, the look and feel, everything is made of AI to really explain to the team how big this is or how small it can be depending on what you're trying to do and it's quite interesting because I met with one of the sales team on Friday and they said oh so the AI though it's just you you used it to help create the script right and we were like no 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 that person that you saw is not a person that is generative AI yeah right I it, it's incredibly powerful and I I, I think you're it really does feel like this is the this is still the trend to watch 2023 AI we're mm. not done uh, mm. what else should we be looking out for on the horizon uh, what other CX trends should should our fair listeners be on the lookout for so with AI and I know we keep talking about it but I think it's so important Pete is you know 2023 was like AI, singing and dancing, everyone's talking about it. It feels really sexy. I read a stat that 10,000 vendors released some kind of Gen AI feature in 2023. Now in 2024, it's kind of like the dust has settled and we're saying, well, how do we actually implement that within our organization? And if you think about 10,000 vendors doing something with Gen AI, quote unquote, Pete, mm-hmm. whatever the, the something right. is, then you've got to think about how those 10,000 vendors are working within an organization. And so what we found out many years ago when we look at technology in business is um, having a single vendor or a single throat to choke, if you will, isn't really the flexibility that a lot of organizations need and want because different vendors are really great at doing different things. And we need to be hyper aware of that when we come into 2024, because um, if if you're working with an organization that's kind of locking you into only using their AI, you've got to think about how does this fit into my technology landscape and where is the flexibility? And that's why we're seeing two trends when it comes into kind of the architecture of AI within an organization. One is that the organization must, or the the, um, vendor must offer what we're calling a local or an own model when it comes to generative AI, Pete. So what that means for the Um, for the fearful folk listening is Mm -hmm. that your data doesn't leave the infrastructure of that vendor. So it's not open AI. um, It's not, you know, publicly used. It's within your infrastructure. It's using your data. What that means is that you can test and learn and train the model. So if you think about your business IP and what you actually want to do with that generative AI, that's how that local or own model needs to kind of play. So one, you feel like your data is secure, but two, you start to get a little bit um, sexier with what you're actually doing with that Gen AI because your responses need to match what your what your teams are doing. Sure. And then the second part of that, Pete, is saying, well, hang on a second, what do I do if I've got five different vendors all offering me AI as part of their solution? How can I make sure that they talk? And that's where we talk about the concept of a bring your own AI strategy because um, I speak to organisations who are on completely different ends of the AI readiness spectrum. One will be we're so terrified, we know we need to do something, the executive is telling us to do something, Samantha, what should we do? And the other is, hey, we've already built our own model, can you plug your product into us? And so 
So those are the two things you really need to be thinking about when you're thinking about AI in your business. Do Does the vendor have a local or an own model? And two, can I bring my own AI into this, into this story? Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think what what you're getting at is, you know, perhaps the 2024-25 story is um, organizational agency in AI, right? Being able Mm -hmm. to not just be thrilled by the fantasy of what AI could be, but actually taking ownership of what AI can do specifically for you. Am I right? That's right. That's right. And it's also about getting the right people in the business talking. So if you think about, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when we started integrating technology, previously, we would do this weird and wacky and time burning um, kind of integrations that were uh, bespoke to an integration and customized. And if something changed, then it broke. And that was, you know, a nightmare for organizations. And many organizations started to move to kind of API models and open source. It's a similar trend that we're seeing now, right? Based on your experience working with these organizations, who should, is best equipped to own the AI model decision-making process in an organization? Is Is that a settled... Uh, decision and organizations is there a, is there an AI leader business leader role yet that that we can there's, train for? Uh, they're starting to pop up, right? They're yeah. starting to pop up with like a pretty hefty uh, salary package attached to them. I don't I doubt they, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my! So, um, you know, remember what would it have been five years ago when data scientists were all rage? And if yes. you're a data scientist, you could basically ask for any amount of money. It's a, it's a similar kind of thing. What I'm seeing a lot of is this concept of an AI council. And an AI council is really like a, a transformation council in, in the old terms, Pete, that has a collection of stakeholders from different groups, security and compliance, your legal team, technology, the business, and they're really there to help make a decision, you know, a committee to help make a decision. I think who's leading it in organisations are still those innovators that actually are hungry to learn more about what's happening in the landscape because things are changing all the time. And, and, you know, um, if you and I could you know, feel confused about it or or the regular person feels confused about it. It doesn't mean that someone on an AI council uh, has any more knowledge unless they're really hungry to know about it. So I think what's happening in organisations, it's a lot of learning on the job, um, you know, at an executive level or um, even kind of as that filters down, we're still having very basic conversations. What is ChatGPT versus OpenAI? What is generative AI? What is natural language processing? So uh, just because people are more senior doesn't mean that they're more equipped to make those buying decisions. Um, It's probably the squeaky wheel at the moment um, and the organisations that are a little bit less um, risk-adverse, more less risk-adverse, that are kind of trailblazing um and those ones that also have relationships with like the big players the microsofts and things like that who have got very senior buy-in that are saying hey look at this these um early access features come on board so they can look at things like the roi calculations attributed to them as well sure sure well it's it's fascinating uh samantha this is going to be a heck of a year 
I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, yeah. a lot to look forward to. And thank you so much for coming and introducing us to 2024 and the trends to look out for. Uh, any resources you want to point people to uh, for learning more about some of the topics that we've talked about? Anything specific on your mind I need to link out? Um, Specific on my mind... I'm sure the marketing team will kill me, Pete, for not having them. It's okay. And in fact, the marketing team has already answered that question. I just want to make sure you have agency in the question. I don't have any. um, (laughs) Probably... 20 different things that we've written. Well, I'll tell you, I've got three good ones that are going to be okay. in, in the list for folks to check out. But uh, but uh, thank you okay. so much for no, hanging out no and illuminating these topics, Smith. Yeah. As always, you're great. And uh, I'm sure this is not the last time we're going to talk this year. Uh, let's, let's keep hashing out these trends and watching AI. Uh, grow and change our jobs for good. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate your time and attention. We'd love to hear what you think. Just swipe up in the show notes and look for that feedback link, and you can send questions to us or any of our past guests, and we will do our best to get them answered. On behalf of Samantha Middlebrook, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next time on Connected Knowledge. Connected Knowledge.